You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Ah, uh, boy. Um, <laughs> I wish I could start this podcast off with a very cheery, happy, you know, hey, I'm excited to be, you know, doing another week of podcasts. But yesterday, I got my damn trail camera stolen for the second year in a row on the second, same exact spot. Two years in a row, same exact spot. Now, first time, shame on that person for stealing it. Second time, maybe shame on me for not uh, having it locked up uh, like it was the previous year. And they still stole it. But, um, man, it it ruins an entire day. It ruins a week to know that someone stole something from you. Uh, the crazy thing is they didn't steal the stick and pick mount that it was on. They didn't steal my tree stand that was right there by it. Uh, they got caught on camera. And they didn't want anybody to know they were there. So they stole my damn trail camera. Now, uh, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. Um, A thief is the lowest type of person there is. Some, somebody who feels free, feels the need to take what does not belong to them. That's the scum of the earth. Now, I can understand if you saw a trail camera and you're like, "Oh my God, uh, w- what happened? I uh, I didn't know. I didn't know it was there. I took maybe I just take the SD card. Still a thief in my in my eyes. Uh, but at least I guess the two hundred dollar camera still would have been there. But for me, I think the information on the SD card is just as important as the trail camera itself. Uh, for me, that's why I have it out there to, to find out where the deer are moving, to gain that knowledge and, uh, and so, yeah, so I'm extremely pissed. I went and knocked on probably one, two, three, four, five different houses on that same road asked asked them if they saw anything suspicious um there is a house directly across the street 
from this trail that I used to walk in. Uh, and it's right next to the, the lady's house where I hunt. So I don't know if it's coming from that house or if it's somebody that's getting dropped off and then walking in and taking it. But, uh, I am, uh, two years in a row, same exact little two track, same exact, uh, area. Uh, and I'm sound like a broken record. I don't have anything prepared for what I'm about to say, except that I'm, I am, uh, I'm extremely pissed and I just want to give a message though to the guy or gal or or piece of crap who stole my trail camera just delete your pictures off of that trail camera I want the pictures of the deer I want my trail camera go put it at the base of the tree that you stole it from and uh I'll go check it in a couple weeks, and uh, it's all going to be good if I get it, get it back. And maybe uh, even put the one that you stole from me the previous year there as well, because I have a feeling it's the same person. Now, if I don't get those show cameras back, I'm going to do everything in my power to find out who you are, and I will come get them myself with probably the police or the sheriff and uh, then what will happen is uh, I'll press charges your name will be in the newspaper and then I'll put your name on my social media and blast it out to the entire world probably tagging you in it and uh, and I, I get followed by quite a few people so just do that and I'll save you some embarrassment please other than that I don't know. Have you guys ever had anything stolen from you and then and then said, you know, if I ever see that person, I'd kick the shit out of them or I'd slash their car tires if I found out who it was or I would, you know, or I would call the cops, probably do the right thing and, and call the cops. It, I would I don't know. I don't have a temper, but. It takes it, and it takes a lot for me to get mad at uh, certain things. And this is something that I think if I ever caught someone who did that, I'd blow up. I I don't, I wouldn't want to do that. I would want to take the proper steps and confront them, and probably say, "Hey, listen, if anything ever comes missing again of mine, I'm gonna blame it on you, and I'm gonna call the sheriff, or or do I just call the sheriff immediately and say, "Hey." This guy has my stuff. He probably has the one from the previous year and uh, and do it that way. I don't know, but uh, it really pisses me off when some scumbag uh, decides to walk into the timber uh, and, and take what does not belong to them. And it blows my mind that if they're a straight-up thief, why they didn't steal the rest of my stuff that was right there. So they didn't they, – they had some kind of conscious, conscience saying – Oh, I better I better not steal everything because I had a stick and pick mount screwed right into the tree that the trail camera was on, and uh, yeah, freaking scumbags. Anyway, <laughs> on a happier, positive, more exciting note, actually not yet. Back to this trail camera thing. Why don't you guys send me a, a Facebook message or uh, in the comment section, the visitor, the visitor's comments, 
or even on the comment section of this post on Facebook, why don't you tell me what you would do if you caught somebody trespassing or uh, trespassing and uh, stealing your stuff? And I don't mean like, hey, I'd, I'd drag him behind my truck and I'd kill him, you know, because that's unrealistic. But give me an honest answer of what you would do if you ever caught someone trespassing on your property or stealing a trail camera or or tree stand or something from a property that you have permission to hunt that maybe they don't they don't so leave a comment uh let me know what you think and i'd love to uh hear what your guy what you guys have to say or maybe give me some pointers on what i uh what i should do now now let's get into today's podcast today we're continuing this uh, series that we have with the gear the the hunting gear wish list podcast and today we're going to be talking with Nick Sopko and uh, he's been on the podcast before and we're going to talk to him about nine different products that he wishes he had on his that, that he, he put together on his wish list but before we get into this podcast, I just, it's kind of connected right now. I was going to do a commercial, but I'll just tell you that Exodus Trail Cameras has a theft and damage protection warranty. So if your trail camera gets stolen, like what happened with me, I'm going to be able to to call them up within five years and they're going to allow me to buy another replacement trail camera at 50% off the retail value. So I call them up. I say, Hey guys, I had one of my trail cameras stolen. I'm really pissed about it. The guys at Exodus are going to say, Hey man, that sucks. Let's let me offer you another trail camera at 50% off. Now I don't know any other products or that do that or any other trail camera companies that do that. But uh, if you guys want to find out more information about Exodus trail cameras, visit exodusoutdoorgear.com. And if you do decide to purchase, enter the code at checkout, nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers, no spaces, and you will receive $20 off your order. So uh, now's the perfect time of year to do that. It's Cyber Monday, they say. So uh, go buy a trail camera from Exodus. And uh, they make good Christmas presents as well. I know a lot of the guys that listen to this, uh, you know, tell the wife, tell the mom, tell the, the dad, whoever buys you Christmas presents that you want an Exodus trail camera. So now, with all that out of the way, let's get into today's Hunting Gear Wishlist Podcast with Nick Sopko. All right, on the phone with me now for the second time is a returning guest. His name is Nick. Is it Sopko? Sopko, you got it. Sopko. Okay, I I don't. I'm. Uh, there's days where I am surprised I don't even screw up my. Uh, my own name so <laughs> yeah no no no. i understand that so uh anything new since the last time we talked man how was how was your uh 2016 season so far 
Um, it was really good. It's, I mean, it's pretty much over at this point. I'm still going to be spending some time in the woods, but it was, it was a really tough season, but it was a really good season. Um, I got, uh, four does early season. I was part of a, um, basically a Metro parks hunt again. Um, and I was able to get four does in there and that's basically the point of it is to, to get in and kind of, kind of whack them and stack them and fill the freezer. So, so I was able to do that. And then, uh, hoping to get a big one on the ground early, but didn't happen, but I did, uh, manage to get a really nice eight point on November 13th. Awesome. Yeah. I saw pictures of that and dude, I don't know what it is about big eight pointers, but I, I love big eight pointers. I do too. I do too. I've never had an opportunity at one. And to be real honest, when he came in, I didn't even know what he was, but I knew he was plenty big enough for me to shoot. So, so I was taking him. Right. Right. So did your girlfriend or is it your wife, fiance? Yeah. Wife. Actually, I got married, uh, September 17th. I got married. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So your, your wife took a good deer with a bow too this year, right? Yep. Yes, she did. She actually, uh, it was her second buck, um, with the bow and I was actually, she shot it the day after I shot mine. Um, nice. and I was actually in the tree with her. So that was really, really cool experience. Really That's cool awesome. to get to be really cool to get to be with her when she got it. But, uh, it ended up, I actually saw that deer. I, I set that stand up that she ended up shooting him out of. And I saw that deer probably like five times in three days. And I was like, this would be a really good buck for Sarah to get to shoot. So I, I had started setting her in there and then she wasn't seeing him, wasn't seeing him. And, uh, we've kind of been dealing with some other people or more people than what used to be hunting the property we hunt. So, I knew they were going to shoot him if they got a chance at him. So I was hoping and praying she'd get him. And she actually did get him at about 10 yards on, uh, it would have been November 14th. And I actually, I had, I had did record it too, but I, I missed the stinking kill shot, but, uh, but that's life, I guess. Yeah. Trying to, trying to film and do all that stuff probably while guiding her through the yeah. shot process. Is, yeah. Is... Pr- pretty much. It was kind of, uh, earlier in the rut, we had, uh, we had a really nice buck um, come in, and this was at a different property, but he was kind of cruising across the ridge, and I, I hit him with a grunt, and uh, he just came running at us, and he got to, and it just all happened so quick, and she was the shooter that night, and she wasn't uh, wasn't quite ready, and it didn't quite come together, but he was like 10 yards, and that's why I kind of didn't get the footage on that one, because I really wanted to make sure we got him stopped, and she got a crack right. at him, but, right. but. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, you ready you ready to talk about some gear? Oh yeah. All right. So, uh just a reminder to all the listeners out there, this is another one of those podcasts where it's the wishlist podcast and we talk a little bit about uh you know, gear that you wish you had if uh if uh, you had the extra money. And uh we've broken it down by 100, 500 and 2000 dollars categories. And, uh, so the first three products that we're going to talk about are in the $100 category. So let's go ahead and start with your first $100 product. Alrighty. The, uh, the first thing I came up with is conquest Evercom, And this is, this is something I do use every year as is, but if I don't have the money to go ahead and buy it at the beginning of every season, I will be pouring out the couch cushions trying to uh trying to get my hands on enough money to get and it's not very expensive um it is twenty dollars for the um the conquest ever stick it'll come with like a deodorant stick 
Um, but there, there are different products as well, and they also have bundles and stuff. So you could, you could spend up to, I think, $250 on the different scent bundles that they have. Um, but basically what this is is it's just a calming scent. So okay. they sell it in liquid form. You can put it on scent wicks or it's in like a, it's almost like a waxy substance and then like a stick of deodorant and you can rub it all over the bark or rub it on the base of your tree stand or on your boots on your way in or, uh, whatever. And basically instead of the deer smelling you, they're supposed to, supposed to hit the scent and just, it kind of calms them down or, or keeps them from really smelling you essentially. Right. So have, have you seen good success with this? I mean, obviously it's good enough to bring it up on this podcast. Yes. Very good. I, uh, I actually, I don't know the last time I've been busted just solely based on scent. Um, I mean, if a deer sees me and gets a little weirded out, runs away, that's fine. But I haven't had a deer in probably three years hit my scent trail and just stop and snort and take off, which prior to that I had had happen. But, but this stuff is, I kind of almost take a different approach to scent control. I mean, I'm careful about it or as careful as I can be, but I figure if there's enough scent around me to overtake the human scent, then that's, that's a good thing or in my advantage. So basically I've been using, I've been using Evercomb for I think the last three seasons. And if I can help it, I won't go into the woods without it. I try to rub a little on my boots and then uh, rub a little on either a tree or the base of my tree. And then on the tree kind of behind my tree stand once I actually get up in. Okay. And, and what is the deer's reaction? I mean, is, is it an instant reaction? Like uh, they, they, they notice it or is it something where they just don't even, they don't even mind it? Um, I I've had both reactions actually. I've had this year, even, I mean, uh, shortly after my rotation started, I had a little, I don't know if he was a six or eight point or whatever, but he was just a little year and a half or come walking in behind me. And, and I was like, man, I hope he doesn't, uh, I hope he doesn't catch me just because I was on a real steep hill. So anything behind me is almost eye level and anything below me is, seems like it's a hundred feet below me. So right. he ended up coming in, uh, coming in behind me being what would almost be eye level. And he actually bedded down like 30 yards behind me, straight downwind and sat there for maybe 45 minutes. And then finally just kind of got up and meandered off. But, but I've had them um, fawns, same thing. I've had fawns come in. If a fawn doesn't have a, a mom with it, a lot of times they'll hit that set and they'll just be like, Oh, this is a safe place. You've been here. And yeah. And they kind of just bed down or hang out or walk in circles or do all kinds of silly things. So, and, and I've had the, the other option, which is they kind of just keep on cruising through or doing what they're doing, but they don't, they don't hit it like they're hitting human scent. They don't stop all of a sudden and start, start kind of losing it over it by any means. Right. So are you, do you have anything else in the tree with you, like an Ozonics or uh, do you use scent spray on your clothes at all? Yeah, I use uh, I use like the Autumn Blend, just kind of whatever's on sale, just essentially like scent eliminator sprays, and then uh, and then I pretty much just rely very heavily on the Evercomb. And I mean, you put it on your on your boots, on your clothes, on on trees coming in and out. How do you? Yeah, it, it kind of depends on where I'm going a little bit. If there's high grass or something, I have I have had them hit my trail. If I there's like knee high grass and I'm trying to high step it through. I've had them almost catch it, like catch me where like my, my pants were probably brushing on the grass. But as far as like, uh, 
like deer hitting my trail going in. Like I'll put a little on my toes in my boots when I, before I walk in. And then, uh, I also like the, uh, the liquid form that they have. And it's almost like a, like a mild, a more mild estrus scent is almost what I would, I'm not sure if it's actually doe urine or if it's, uh, what kind of blend it is, but it just comes in a little plastic, um, amber looking bottle and you can put it on scent wicks or whatever. And I've used that as well, especially during the rut when, uh, the bucks are a little more responsive to any kind of doe scent. So I'll use that too, but yeah, I'm just kind of rubbing it on anything, anything around me. Um, if I, I hate breaking a sweat and hanging in sets and stuff like that, but if I'm doing a little sweating or it's a warm day or something like that, I'll put a little more out. But, um, for the most part, I just hit the bottom of my tree, hit the top of my tree when I'm up, up in the stand and hit my boots before I walk in. And I will, uh, I've noticed with, the with the Evercomb stick, like the deodorant stick, it'll dry out after a while and the scent isn't as potent. So if I'm in for like an all day sit or an extra long sit or something, I will kind of put it back on re reapply, I guess, uh, halfway yeah. through the day. All right. Sounds good. So ever calm for 20 bucks. All right. Yeah. What is the third hundred dollar product? We are second, actually, Dan. Um, I think <laughs> ever, ever comes first. Second is going to be the badlands tree hugger pack. Okay. And that is basically kind of a glorified fanny pack. I usually, when I go into the stand, either I have a fanny pack if I'm doing a run and gun or um, taking in a climber just because I don't have to carry a whole backpack on top of my tree stand. If I'm going into a set that's pre-hung, I will take a backpack. But I've had so many times where a deer, I see a buck in the distance or something like that, and I want to grab a grunt call or maybe my uh, can call. And all of a sudden I realize it's not in my pocket or not around my neck and I'm shoulder deep in my backpack trying to find stuff and I'm rooting through granola bars and I don't know, whatever else might be in there. And I have, have a heck of a time finding what I need. But um, basically this is just like kind of a big glorified fanny pack. But what it is, is it's a triple pocket. So it has three pockets, but the biggest section of the pack actually completely unzips um, three quarters of the way around and it flips down and basically a basket almost opens up. So it has like a mesh basket actually built into the pack. So you can just have a big old basket full of all your goodies you might need. And they're right there and visible and easy to get to. All right. And this is something, this is something that you wish you had, right? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Now, how much does this cost? Ninety nine, ninety nine. $99.99. All right. Now, did you look at any other products that were comparable to this before you decided, hey, I want this this Badlands pack, let's say, over uh, a Tenzing? That's the first brand that comes to my mind. Okay. Um, I, I didn't actually go to the different websites, but my previous experience with Badlands sent me in that direction. I actually... Um, Got my wife the, I think it's the Cali pack, or I'm not 100% sure, but it's designed for women, supposed to fit their body better than men's body, and and that, and it might even be a gimmick, I'm not sure, but marketed towards women, and I bought her that because she was using just kind of a crappy old pack that I had retired, and the, I, I guess the the detail that went into like the the pockets and the comfort and and everything that went into that pack kind of kind of stuck with me as far as my outlook on badlands goes 
And then also, uh, they have an unconditional warranty. So I try to be as careful with my stuff as I can, but a lot of times stuff gets beat up and over a while, after a while it wears out and the, uh, the unconditional warranty at Badlands really kind of wins me over as well. Gotcha. Um, so kind of, uh, a brand that you were familiar with and comfortable with and, and definitely you see yourself going back there in the future. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. All right. Third product for a hundred dollars. Third product. Um, this is going to get a little interesting here. I'm going to use the last hundred dollars to make a homemade scent crusher closet. Oh, so, I yeah. like where you're outside the box. I like it. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. So, so the scent crusher thing came out, and I think that's a really cool idea, especially the little uh, little car plug-in one, uh, scent crusher on the go or whatever they call it. I think that's pretty cool because I think I think most people, if you ever get in somebody's truck, I mean, different people's trucks have different scents, and I think that's smart to try to eliminate that. But but I was looking at the uh, the scent crusher closet, and I'm like, well, that's a pretty cool idea, and uh, I just couldn't bear to to spend three hundred dollars on it so i haven't done this yet this is something i would seriously intend on doing but while doing the research i kind of came up with my own way of doing it so they actually make portable closets so we have one in my house we just basically store extra clothes and i have one that i actually keep all my hunting clothes in so it's just they make them in different sizes they make a lot of different materials you can actually buy them that are ones that are completely plastic and I was looking at the uh, scent crusher closet, and that's pretty much what it looks like, except they have a scent crusher logo on it. So I was eyeballing <laughs> that. I was eyeballing that, and I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And I've always stored my camos and stuff like that, and I just spray them down and kind of zip them up and, and leave them go. And it really does, uh, really does keep the scent off of them and keep the, I guess, uh, earth scent in there. So... Then I got to looking on Amazon for ozone purifiers. So all kinds of companies make these air and water ozone purifiers of different sorts. You can, I don't clean fruit with some, there's all kinds of interesting options out there. But um, what I couldn't find is scent crusher didn't say how much ozone that their ozone generator that comes with the scent crusher closet produces. So I actually contacted them just to kind of find out. Um, and their ozone generator produces 500, I believe it's 500 milligrams per hour. I believe that's how they rate it. Okay. And it runs in uh, half hour cycles. So I found that and, and that was something to compare it to. But basically what I did is I found a, it's called a sign stack, 400 milligram an hour air and water ozone purifier for less than 50 bucks on Amazon. So you're not, oh, wow. not quite as much ozone, but darn close. And basically, I would I would get the uh, plastic portable closets, which run anywhere from thirty to fifty dollars, depending on how big you go and and what material you want it made out of. And then the uh, the ozone purifier for forty six ninety nine. Nice. So so you're running all the way. You're running up to a hundred dollars, but you can get all those things. They're just not marketed towards hunters. Yep. Essentially. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah, before I got my Ozonics uh, closet, portable closet, I used to let my uh, two. I used to do two different things. One, I let my Ozonics run in my truck, and then I had my hunting clothes laid over the seat, 
Uh, and that that's one way I did it. And the other uh, way I did it was I would put it in just one of my Ozonics units and put it in a tote and just let it run overnight until the battery was dead. But yeah, I can see, I can see how this, uh, this would be, it's almost like just because they're marketing it, marketing it to hunters, they're charging more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and I figure for, there's just, there's so much backing and so many people rave about the ozone thing. I mean, I, I really don't have any previous experience with it whatsoever. There's just, it's such the rave right now. I would be willing to put the hundred dollars towards kind of doing my own thing with it and, and checking right. if it really works. And, and like I said, I mean, I have so much space in the, in the Evercom. I, I don't really mess with the ozone thing, but it is, it's just, it's intriguing to me almost, um, right. that it would be something that's worth giving a try. I feel like. Yeah, definitely. Now, how big is the closet? I know there's several different sizes out there, but how big would you get? Um, if it were, if it were just my clothes, um, they have a plastic one at home Depot that I was looking at. That's, uh, three feet wide and 70 inches tall. I think that would fit most of my stuff hanging. Um, yeah. for me and my wife, we have one right now that our camos are in. We're not running any kind of, uh, ozone unit in it, but it's probably six feet long, five feet wide and, and maybe 30 inches. Well, I guess it's five feet tall and 30 inches wide is on it. So it's, it's pretty good size and that'll hold all of our stuff. Now, as far as, like I said, the, the ozone generator I found is 400 milligrams an hour versus the 500. Um, but I figure you run a slightly longer cycle or something like that. I don't think it would really have a whole lot of, would make a whole lot of difference. No, not at all. Not at all. Wow. That's kind of off the, uh, out of the box. I like that. All right. So. There's your, there's your hunt, your first hundred dollar, your first three products. Now, out of those products, if you only had $100 to spend, which one of those are you getting? Um, over, over anything, I would say year to year, I got to go conquest. I rely so much on that. I mean, my, uh, my buck that I killed last year and the buck that I killed this year, both cross through downwind before i shot them so and, and those are fully mature probably four-year-old white tails so if, if that can fool them that there's something to say for that and that is something that i just feel like i can't go without at this point right all right sounds good there all right so uh five hundred dollars first first product all right i would go with a new running gun setup and now i know uh basically I know one of, one of the other gentlemen that did the uh, the wish list kind of already had, had covered some of what I'm about to cover here. We're about to cover, but I do have a running gun set up right now, um, okay. and and I got it maybe two years ago. I used to solely hunt out of climbers, so I basically transferred to lock-ons from there, and then I wanted to get a running gun that I thought I could get in with quieter and set up quieter instead of scraping all the way 20 feet up a tree. Okay. So what I did is, is three years ago, I was doing my research and I, uh, ended up purchasing a muddy vantage, um, tree stand and then four muddy pro sticks. So it's a good setup. Um, the muddy vantage tree stand weighs 13 pounds and the platform is 29 inches wide and sticks out 21 inches. So okay. it's a decent sized platform. And it's enough room to move around on. 
but it kind of comes comes into I guess in towards the seat. So the closer you get to where the platform connects to the shaft that your seat's connected to, the narrower it gets. And I am a bigger guy, have bigger feet, and I have a little bit of a hard time maneuvering around the cables on it just okay. because it kind of narrows up. So that's kind of something I, I don't like 100% about it, but it's nice. I've shot deer out of it plenty of times. It's a nice stand. And then the four muddy pro sticks that I have, um, basically each section is 20 inches and they are two and a half pounds each. So you're looking at 10 pounds total with those. So what I did is, and, and the kind of downfall, which I wish I would have realized prior to buying the, the Muddy Pro Sticks, is that because they're only 20-inch section, sections, you can't get super high. And I'm, I'm a taller guy. I'm like six foot two, and I can basically stretch in as far as I can. I can get up 16 feet. Um, How many sticks? Four sticks. Four sticks. And that's that's stretching as far as I can. So just okay. to get me through right now, I made like a stirrup. So I took some climbing rope and like a section of like a seven-inch section of garden hose. And I ran it through the ran, uh, the climbing rope through it and basically just tied it. And it almost looks like a big loop with a section of garden hose at the bottom, kind of keeping yeah. it open. And I'll hang that on the bottom step. So I get one more big step. And it still just doesn't get me quite as high as I want to be. So that would be the downfall with that. So that's my current setup. Okay. Um, now, what I would like to do is go with the, the full-on lone wolf setup. Gotcha. Um, and I would go with the lone wolf alpha 2. And I like that tree stand a lot better because that platform just kind of stays wide all the way to the back. I was talking about the muddy is pretty narrow. That platform seems a lot bigger, a lot um uh, Maybe not a lot bigger, but easier to kind of move around on. And it only weighs one pound more than the uh, Muddy Vantage, so it's 14 pounds versus the 13. Okay. Um, I would do that. I would do the four-piece Lone Wolf Sticks, and that's that's the biggest difference. Um, I, well, I think, anyways. I haven't actually used them, but I think that would make the biggest difference because each of those sticks is 32 inches, full 12 inches longer than each Muddy Stick but they weigh the same. So that set of four sticks is still going to be only 10 pounds, but it's going to get me, I feel like a heck of a lot higher. Okay. So uh, what's that, what's that cost? The lone wolf alpha two is right around $250 and the four piece sticks is about $200. And I'd probably also do the, uh, Alpha Tech uh, stick quiver, which is an additional forty dollars, and would hold the uh, hold the climbing sticks right onto the platform of the tree stand. Okay, and so then so that, right up to a hundred bucks or five hundred. Yep, yeah. yep. So that totals up to four ninety. I did actually find it on Cabela's for they sell the stand, the sticks, and the quiver for four thirty nine ninety nine. Okay, so a little bit of a discount if you're going outside of uh, Lone Wolf. Yep, yep, yep. A little bit of savings there. Okay. So, and do you feel that this is strictly to get you higher or just because you feel that uh, the the lone wolf stand is that much better than a, a muddy? 
I don't know if, if the lone wolf is that much better. It's it's more so to get me a little more platform space, especially okay. if I'm in for a long sit. If I'm going to try for an all day sit or whatever, or or I go into a stand and there's bucks running everywhere, and I want to sit all day. I couldn't imagine sitting in that muddy all day just because of the lack of area you can move around. Um, I, I the seat setup on the lone wolves is very similar to what the muddy is. I mean, it's just a thick, a small, thick padded seat. So I don't imagine it would be a heck of a lot more comfortable to me. Space having a little more space and being able to get some more height um would would do a lot for me okay all right all right second product in the 500 hundred dollar category second product i uh went a little over on this guy or maybe not a little over but somewhat over but uh i went with a dave smith posturing buck decoy okay um Never heard of i that. It it is actually I heard of it on the uh, who was it John Dudley, um, the fellow from Knock On. I heard of it from him, and he does a lot of decoying and stuff. From what I understand, I personally have not done a lot of decoying, so this would be a lot of money to throw down on something I've I've never really right. done a whole lot of. But I have a Montana decoy that I've never used, um, almost just because of lacking confidence in it, just because it's. It's like the the felt one. So basically, if you set it up, a deer could see it at one angle, but it walks at it at a different angle, and it's not going to see it. Okay. And and that concerns me. And, and from what I've heard and read, realism of a decoy goes a really long way as far as like not not scaring deer. I've heard a lot a lot of people say I don't like using decoys because it scares the does, but I've heard people that use really high quality decoys say that if the if the, if there's enough realism to the decoy nothing scared by it they're just like oh there's there's a buck over there so so this decoy is basically uh is made by a fellow that has a decoy company he does a lot of uh turkey decoys specifically and i think he does some other stuff too but but this thing looks like i i don't know it's a posturing buck it just looks super realistic you can see the muscle tone it has ears pinned back it looks like the kind of thing that if you put in a field and somebody else was hunting the property you were hunting, they would probably try to pull a stock on it because it looks so real. <laughs> wow, so maybe nuts. maybe take take that as you will. That could be good or bad. But right, right. but either way. So what's that run? Six ninety nine. Six hundred and ninety nine dollars. So seven hundred bucks. Okay. All right. So why do you feel two questions. Why do you feel uh, a really high quality decoy is something that you want. And two, does your hunting, the way you hunt allow you to use a decoy like this? Yeah. The, um, the property I'm on right now, um, or the property I do the majority of my hunting, um, I actually, I've developed a favorite spot, which probably isn't good because I know it's good to move around, but I actually shot both my bucks the last two years from the same tree. And I've always wanted to bring a decoy into the spot with me because a lot of times I have a nice deer. I mean, I will hunt in different trees in the area, but a nice deer will cross through. It's kind of like you can cross through here, here, or here, and usually I pick the wrong spot. But I feel like it's a pretty open, swampy bottom area. I feel like if I had a decoy down in there and they were to catch that, they would they would come through. There's a pretty good age structure in the area. A lot of, a lot of deer get to... I mean, I'm not going to say full potential, but there's there's some pretty nice deer running around and 
and some older bucks. And I just feel like that's kind of the buck I'm looking for. Like the mean old guy that is uh, big, old, and gnarly. And that's who I want to attract. And I feel like with this decoy, if that buck were to cross through the area and see him, I feel like it, he would come check it out for sure. Okay. I gotcha. So do you know how much this thing weighs or does it come in pieces or, or is, is it just, Hey, I'm going to carry this huge ass decoy into the timber every time. I <laughs> um, pretty much with this one, it, it isn't really a, a super user friendly decoy. Um, it, it basically says on the site, um, it comes in two pieces. It will take a few minutes to put together. And this isn't necessarily something that's, that's meant to travel to the field with in two pieces just because of the, the assembly time and, and it must be fairly difficult to put it together, but it comes in two pieces. Um, there's warnings on the website, not to use it in rifle shotgun or muzzleloader season and, and, um, all this kind of stuff. It's just, it's just, I mean, it's, it's a full on size deer. You got to walk in with, I think it's just part of, part of the fact that using a super real looking decoy is that you just have to, uh, you just have to deal with the bulk of it. Right. Okay. All righty. So the final product in this $500 category. I would go with a wireless trail camera, specifically the Stealth Cam GXW Wireless. Okay. And explain to explain to me why wireless. Um, I have most of what I hunt is pretty pretty urban areas. I mean a lot of a lot of small properties around towns um, or stuff that isn't isn't completely out in the boonies. I have cell phone service at pretty much everywhere I hunt. Um, and good cell phone service to boot. I don't like disturbing my areas. I try not to disturb them as much as I can anyway. So I, especially during the summer, early fall, I'm usually only checking my trail cams once a month or longer if I can stay out of the woods that long. Um, having this, I feel like it would just allow me to stay out of the woods and while still monitoring exactly what's going on in my area. Okay. So have you ever ha- used a, a wireless trail camera before? I have not, no. Okay. So basically th- the uh, the use of this is to prevent, you know, uh, pressure to a particular area while still being able to monitor it. Yeah, essentially, essentially. I actually had on my, my main property this year, I think I said something earlier, there's more people hunting it than – than I had realized, and I think this would have really helped me uh, help me find that out as well. And I'd also like to, it's kind of a, an unwritten understanding that some of the other folks on the other property have this area to use, and uh, me and my wife and dad have this other area to use. But I'd also like to kind of monitor that as well, use it as a little bit of a uh, spy tool as, as if to see if they're in there when they're not supposed to be or not. Um, but basically, this, is, this camera can... Uh, it can actually send videos as well. So that, that, that might be a downfall as far as like eating up data and whatnot, because you just still do have to pay for a plan, but this is, they're claiming it's the first trail cam that can send pictures and videos. Um, it does require AT&T or T-Mobile and won't work with, uh, Verizon or Sprint. So Verizon or Sprint users probably, probably aren't a fan of this one, but, um, it runs on 12 double A's. Um, and, 
basically their claim is that it'll last a little over two months um, per set of batteries. And but basically, they use to test that out is uh, 15 pictures a day and 15 picture. Well, it's 15 day pictures and 15 night pictures every 24 hours. It is. So okay. if you get basically 30 pictures every 24 hours, those 12 double A's will last you a little over two months. Uh, I had uh, I, I had a trail camera, a wireless trail camera set up once, and uh, it it sent me like 40, 50 pictures of wind over uh, like one day, like over 24 hours. And by the time I went to check it, uh, it's all of a sudden it stopped sending me pictures and the batteries died in less than a week because oh, it just Lord. kept sending wind picture, wind picture, wind picture, wind picture, wind, you know, and it, was, <laughs> it really sucked, but uh, I can see how it would be useful in certain situations. However, the places where I really need it, I I can't get I can't get uh, access to. So, or I can't get uh, wireless or data or any type of reception down in these big gullies that I hunt. So, yeah, yeah, it's a great idea in theory. It's just the problem is most people are hunting way out in the middle of nowhere, and it doesn't right. quite work out that way. That's right. All righty, so. Uh, how much does that stealth cam cost? Um, I found them at Cabela's for three ninety nine. Um, there was a couple other websites I found uh, that had them closer to the three fifty range, but um, but anywhere between three fifty and four hundred dollars. And then you have to buy the plan, the the AT and T or T Mobile plan to go with it. And do you know what happen to know what that runs as well? Um, I I don't know how much. Uh, like how many gigabytes you'd use per pictures or how, like what the breakdown on that is. But basically um, their recommended package, I guess that still can recommend is one gigabyte of data for three months. And it's $25. I'm not sure if that's, if you go over, they just roll up to the next plan or how exactly they go about handling that. But um, that's kind of the recommended uh, or the best value, I guess that they say. Okay, cool. Alrighty. I, I tell you, I can see how, like, I have one, but I, I don't use it. I can see how that camera would get me in trouble because I would be checking my phone every time that would, or email every time it would ding or anything like that. And it, well, I just saw a good buck. I better go out hunting. And it's like a Tuesday <laughs> night, right? So, <laughs> yeah, it could be a problem very fast. Very fast. But good thing is, most of the guys I work with are all big deer hunters too. So they'd hear my phone going off. I'm like, "What's what? What do you got there? What do you got?" <laughs> okay, moving on. The the here's the big boy. The two thousand dollars. You know, if you had two thousand dollars to spend, what is the first product that you would buy? What I am gonna do with my first two thousand is go with as much Sitka gear as I can buy. Um, basically I, I always looked at Sitka's being way overpriced and I mean, I always kind of wanted it deep down cause it is cool, but I tried it on the other day for the first time. Um, we were at a local shop and I was kind of checking it out and I picked up, uh, I think it was a late season jacket, the fanatic, uh, I think it was the fanatic jacket or the heavy fanatic jacket. Um, and I threw it on, and it was just ridiculous. The, the 
the comfort of it for one and just what appeared to be the thought that went into the engineering of just all the different little things. I mean, as far as the super warm kind of uh, big pocket in the front and the little elastic bands, put your drunk call in the pockets everywhere. I mean, it was just very impressive. So, so I went with, uh, pretty much decided that I need to get some sick gear is, is what it's boiling down to. And that is something that I would like to get in the long run seriously in the next couple of years or as soon as I can save up the money. But, um, I would go with pretty much like a, what I would consider a mid season package and a late season package. I do do some early season hunting. Um, I try to stay out of the woods as much as I can early season, but I feel like I can get by with, my my clothes that i have right now for early season i don't need to spend a few hundred extra dollars for for some lighter clothing um but i would go with a merino core crew long sleeve um so basically that's just kind of a base layer i would also go with the bottoms that go with that um excuse me i would go with the fanatic hoodie i've heard a lot of good things about it haven't actually got to try one on but seems like a really cool piece I would go with the Fanatic Light jacket and the Fanatic Light bibs. Um, I'm a big bib. I'm a big bib fan. I don't really care for the the pants scene. Um, I mean, I obviously wear I wear camo jeans and stuff right now, mostly when I go hunting, or I I have like an older scent blocker outfit that I use, and those are like just insulated pants. But I'm a big bib fan, so definitely want to go with the bibs. Um, and then I would go with the Fanatic glove. Um, just because I like having the, uh, it's got the finger in the, um, thumb cut out and I always need, I hate wearing, I have a pair of gloves that have all the fingers cut out, but the thumb isn't and for some reason. It just, it's a pain, but you don't realize it until you try them on and you're like, man, that's, that kind of stinks. But so that's the first, that would be what I would consider my, uh, my mid season package. And then for late season, I would go with. The I, I kind of feel like I already having the Merino core um, shirt and the Merino core bottoms would go ahead and be a good uh, good start to that package. So I'd essentially almost just do the uh, the fanatic bibs and the fanatic jacket, um, and then get myself the uh, the neck gaiter and the Stratus beanie. Okay, so that all those products that you just mentioned bring you up to about 2000. Yeah. 1907. Okay. So, and that's for the, the mid and the late season, right? Yeah. So that, that isn't every, that isn't every item in both mid and late season. But, um, but that's, that's what I feel like I would need to get by when I tried on the, uh, the fanatic jacket, it was just like, I felt like I I could put a t-shirt on under it and hunt in 20 degree weather. Like it was just that, that warm and comfortable. So I don't feel like I need a lot of insulated layers. I've, I've kind of always been the person that wears 14 sweatshirts and a camo jacket over top of it. So I'm <laughs> that, kind of, I'm getting, I'm getting to the point where I'm ready to move on from that part of my life right, <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. move to some, some actually uh, camouflage gear or hunting gear. Okay. So my question is, why Sitka? I know there is a ton of other brands out there. Um, a lot of them are direct to consumer now, but uh, for example, like Akuyu, or um, there's some other newer uh, camo companies out there that are, are taking the 
the layering approach, you know, just like mm -hmm. uh, Sitka does. So, so why did you decide Sitka is right for you? Um, Sitka is really the first thing I've, I've had the chance to really try on. I guess that's a lie. I, I've tried on the first light gear. So, so I was, I was originally interested in first light. Um, I'm a big, uh, Steve Ranella fan and he does the mediator show and everything. One of their sponsors is first light. And I just really love that pattern. And, uh, and so I checked that out at a sports store. that's not too far away from here one day. And it was every piece of clothing that I could find from first light seemed kind of noisy. Maybe I was looking at the wrong stuff, but it was just, it was just noisier than, than I would like it to be. It was almost kind of, so a lot of it was that was swooshy material. So that kind of turned me off on the whole first light thing. Um, I, I understand the whole direct to consumer thing. And I think that's a fantastic business model, but I really like to be able to, to handle my stuff and try it on. And, and especially if I'm going to spend that kind of money on something. Right. Um, so that kind of, that's what kind of gets me with the QU thing. I've heard some people that love it. I'm hurt. I've heard some people that don't like it. I've never heard of somebody that's like, oh, I don't like Sitka. Yeah. Like I've never, I've never really. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's that guy out there. There's always that guy. <laughs> but I've never heard I've never heard somebody that's like ah heck with sick gear I tried it I I just can't get it to fit right or something like that I mean it just it just looks like so much thought went into it that it just is is the epitome of comfort almost right okay so a full line of Sitka gear for roughly nineteen hundred you got it okay all right. Second product on the uh, on the two thousand or group of products or whatever. Second product, I am going to go with the Halon thirty two in Ridge Reaper Baron camo, um, and I'm going to completely outfit it. So basically, basically the bow. Um, as far as the bow goes, I have a Halon right now. Um, my wife was actually getting more serious about deer hunting and she was using an older mission craze that I have as kind of a backup bow and she decided she wanted an upgrade. So she actually bought a Halon, which made it a lot easier for me to sort of talk her into me getting a Halon as well. <laughs> so, so it worked out, but so I got my hands on a Halon and I, I got a pretty good deal. I actually purchased it used, which I was, which I was a little skeptical about, but it's a great bow and is in great shape. And, and I love shooting it, and it's a deer slaying machine. So I love the Halon to begin with. Um, I haven't actually shot the Halon 32 yet, but just the way the Halon shoots itself, I, I don't imagine it can be much different. Honestly, with a little longer axle to axle, it might even be a little more comfortable to shoot, I feel like. Um, but the thing that draws me to it the most is just the camo. Um, for some reason, the one I have right now is what they call the Stone Tactical, and it's sort of a gray look. And it's a cool looking bow, but for some reason I just always love the Ridge Reaper camo. And I know they also came out with uh I, I believe they do a couple of the Sitka patterns in the new uh in the new Halon thirty two. But so they they kind of changed it a little bit, but basically just added some more camo patterns to the twenty seventeen bows. Then I would just kinda like to switch it up and I, I always shot a camo bow until I got the Halon and I kinda I love the I love the stone tactical, but I kind of miss shooting a camouflage bow for some reason. So I would go with the uh, Ridge Reaper Baron. Okay, so Halon Thirty Two in Ridge Reaper. My question 
is I, I tell you what, I'm going to ask that question after we talk about the accessories. All right. Okay. So you're going to outfit it with this as well. So what, uh, what are you outfitting? What are you putting on it? I am going to go with an Axion five pin GLX gridlock site. Um, I've, I've looked into, I've always shot a, uh, I shot a cheaper site for a while. I don't even remember what brand it was. And right now I shoot a trophy Ridge react five pin, which is a great site. And I've, I've been seriously looking at going to like an adjustable single pin, but I, I feel like that's just too much for me to, I don't know if it's my personal thing or what, but it's just a little too much for me to try to handle while a deer is coming in or trying to get adjusted or figure out how high I have to aim. I really like having the pins for 20, at least 20, 30 and 40. So I would go with the five pin. Um, basically it's a pretty typical five pin site. They come in, come in some different, uh, camouflages as well as black. Um, it's, all solid metal or I believe it's solid aluminum, uh, CNC machined. And that's kind of the biggest thing that, that I liked about it. I actually kind of got turned on to the Axion thing because I bought my wife one for her birthday. Um, cause she was using kind of an older site on her Halon and I bought it. And, and the whole thing is just, it feels like you could throw it off the empire state building. It'll be fine. It just feels super. It's not too heavy, but it just feels super heavy duty. It feels just quality is i guess what it would feel like um and that was the first thing that caught my attention um it also has stainless allen screws i've had so many sites that have the little i don't even know what what metal they are but the allen screws just rust like crazy this site has stainless allen screws which i think is a fantastic idea extra little extra little bit of money put into it will last help it last a lot longer i feel like um and the the little light, it's almost like a little black light that a lot of sites come with now. Um, it's adjustable. So it's almost like a dimmer light on like a, a lot of like scopes and gun scopes have them now, I guess, for if you get like a lighted reticle. But it's almost like a dimmer. So you can really, you can hit it with the full light and it really lights your pins up or you can dim it kind of based on lighting conditions. I thought that was pretty cool too. Okay. So does that, is that, uh, is that, site work on batteries then yeah basically the, the light does um so it, it's got your typical fiber optic five pins um and basically the fiber optics kind of run to uh i don't know i, I guess along the side of the the site where it mounts on the bow and basically there's just a little light that shines on the fiber optics and then that light is transferred down into your pin so it glows it picks up plenty of light and it glows perfectly fine in daylight but in low light conditions, you can flip that on. I know a lot of people use the, uh, or like the lighted, um, sites for like blind hunting because there's so much, so little light inside of blinds. A lot of times it's really hard. Like you lose sight of your pins pretty early in the evening because there's no light that can get to your fiber optics. So a lot of sites have what would be like a push in and just turns the light on and it's super bright. This is, this is, it can be very, very dim where it just, just lights them up a little bit or you can turn it way up and it can light them up bright as could be nice okay and uh so you need a rest yep i would go with the uh qad hdx drop away uh, i've used i started out using a whisker biscuit way back in the day and and that was a good rest and i had no problems with that the thing i didn't like was 
when you draw back, your arrow was kind of made a noise on the whiskers. It would be like a kind of as you drew back, just your arrow sliding against them. So I eventually moved to a QAD drop away, and ever since then, I've just I've, I've never had a problem with one. They seem pretty high quality as far as build goes. I've never had anything go wrong, so gotta go, gotta stick with the QAD on that. Okay. Um, what now? What did the what did the site cost? The site was right about one hundred and fifty dollars on the Axion website, as okay. was the uh, the rest. The QAD HDX is right around one hundred and fifty dollars too. So there's there's three hundred. What did the bow cost? Bow's nine ninety nine. Nine ninety nine. So a thousand dollars. So right now you're sitting at thirteen hundred dollars. Um, any other any other accessories for your bow? Yeah, I'd go with the uh, the Matthews Arrowweb HD Quiver that they have. Okay. Um, I've used a few different brands of quivers too. I really like how the Matthews Quiver. I guess connects to the bracket, the bracket basically mounts on the bow, but it's just, it's a little different. I don't know. I've always kind of been attracted to it for some reason. I just think it looks nice. They make a good looking quiver. Um, and that four arrow quiver costs $139. Um, and then I would also, while I'm at it, I might as well go ahead and get a dozen, uh, Easton full metal jackets. Uh, so those would be, I found those anywhere between 130 and $140. Okay. And, uh, let's see any, are you currently shooting Easton's full metal? Yeah. I've, I've, I've shot full metal jackets for probably the last five years and I can't seem to, uh, bring myself to buy anything else. Gotcha. All right. Anything else? Uh, yes, actually I would go with, uh, rage chisel tip two blade broadhead. Um, rage that would be my, my full on hunting outfit. And I've, I actually, I never shot the uh, chisel tips until this year. And, um, I know a lot of people complain about them. If you had a deer in the shoulder blade, they probably aren't going to work, but, but they, uh, do a heck of a job for, for the deer I've shot with them. I've never had a problem with them. And I really like them because they, they make, I know you always want to hit a deer perfect and, and that's what you aim for and everything. But, on a marginal shot, your chances of recovering a deer that's been shot by a rage, well, that's how I feel anyways, your chances of recovering a deer that's been shot by a rage compared to recovering a deer that's been shot by like maybe a, a smaller fixed blade, I feel like you're, you have a lot better chance with that rage. I feel like they're just, they're devastating even on a gut shot or, or, uh, when you don't hit vitals, even though that's what you're trying to do. Okay. So did you have you always shot rage or have you switched in the past um i shot uh, they spit fires i shot spit fires for a little while i uh i shot those until i i did i hit a deer in the shoulder blade didn't find it and then i kind of moved on from those um which that was my own fault i mean it, and it happens I, a lot of times if you hit them in the shoulder blade with a uh, fixed blade broadhead you're not going to get through that but but um i shot spitfires for a while so they're another expandable and then pretty much since then i've shot rage just because uh they've they've done such a good job all right yeah the, rage is definitely one of those one of those uh products where i feel that you either love them or you hate them for so, sure and I, well, they sell millions of broadheads a year, so 
they're they must be doing something right yep for sure for sure and that's it's like it's like the forge dodge chevy thing exactly. it's, it's everybody it's yeah everybody has their broadheads and they don't want to hear about yours so exactly all right is there is that it for that uh that Yes, for the bow package, that's it. And that brings me to, uh, if my math is correct, $1,611. All right. Enough money left over to take the wife out for a nice dinner. There you go. And she'll appreciate that. That's right. All right. So my the question I have before we move on to the next product is, what has, because we've done bow reviews in, in the past on this show with different people, but what draws you to Matthews? Um, I shot an old, well, I started shooting an old PSE Nova and that just, it was, it was a good shooting bow. I could shoot it well. And, and I didn't know any different. It was a cheaper bow. It was a beginner setup and I didn't know what a quality bow felt like. So I had that bow and I shot it for a while and hunted with it. I never took a deer with it, but I was at a sports show at some point and I ended up shooting the Matthews Switchback XT. And the difference from the PSE Nova compared to the Switchback XT was just like completely night and day. Like you would, like I'd shoot, I went home and shot my PSE Nova after that and it was just like the hand shock and the noise and it was just, it was just a completely different bow and it was ridiculous the difference. So I ended up buying a Switchback XT. And at that point, I had tried, I, I shot Hoyts, I shot some other bows, and, and the switchback felt the best to me. Um, when I bought my Halon, I wasn't exactly in the market for a new bow. I was still shooting my switchback. I had put a new string on it after a few years, but I bought that bow in 2007. It still served me fine, and I loved it. And then I shot the Halon, and it was like the same difference that I felt between my PSE Nova and the switchback. It was like that again. So my, my Switchback XT compared to the Halon, it was again night and day. It was just like completely different. And I, I couldn't believe the difference because it's like in 2007 when I bought my Switchback XT, it was top of the line, awesome bow and all that. And the difference from that to what the Halon was like for me was just completely, it, it just blew my mind. It, it, it's such an easy bow to shoot, a nice solid back wall. It feels like you could hold it at full draw for three days if you had to um i did shoot some elites and i shot some obsessions prior to uh prior prior to buying the halon and, and that was just for fun i guess i was just at a bow shop and guy asked me if i wanted to shoot anything so i shot a couple and i i liked the obsessions for a while but i shot them and i just didn't they just didn't feel like i wanted them to and that halon for some reason just felt perfect to me it was just a, it's a comfort thing almost and i and i don't think it's I mean, I've shot Matthews for a while now, and I don't think it's because I'm just a Matthews guy. I think it's just because that's that's what has seemingly been comfortable to me over the years. Okay, fair enough. All right, the last product of the evening on the $2,000 price range. Last thing I'm going to go with is a Bushnell Fusion one-mile range-finding binoculars. So... I've been kind of in the market for a good pair of binoculars. Um, I currently use like a $5 mini pair of Walmart binoculars <laughs> and those, and those just really don't do the job like I need them to. I mean, they're great. They're, 
they're great for a wooded environment. But I would love to uh I would love to do some more out of state hunting and and even do some western hunts and stuff like that. And I feel like when that starts I'm definitely gonna need a, a good pair of binoculars. And I was kinda going through some binoculars and finding a pair that's actually a range finder with a built in range finder, I just thought, well that eliminates one thing I have to carry on top of uh on top of the binoculars. So so basically have a built-in angle range compensation and they can range from 10 to 1760 yards um and i guess like i haven't actually put these binoculars in my hand so i can't tell you 100 exactly how they work but they do have a bow and rifle mode so i'd imagine uh, i'm not i'm not exactly sure how the different modes work but i i was concerned because of the uh basically because of the zoom how you how difficult it would be to range things for bow hunting but I think, it, it, well, it makes me feel like because there's a bow and a rifle mode that there's some way that they can make it easier to range closer things for you. Right. Now, so this is a rangefinder with that is built into a pair of binoculars, right? Y- yes. Okay. So what's that cost? That is around 1200 bucks at Cabela's. I did find so, them for a little cheaper. They were they have a couple of different options as far as like uh, zoom and stuff goes. So they make an eight by thirty two and a ten by forty two. The ten by forty two is a little pricier, but I found them on different sites for like eight hundred thousand versus the twelve to thirteen hundred. Gotcha. All right, sounds good. Well, I tell you what, man, we've been talking for a while now. All these products, obviously. Um, one, one question I didn't ask you was out of the $500 group. Um, what product, if you were to choose one of the three, the Lone Wolf, the Dave Smith, Buck, uh, or the Wireless Stealth Cam, which which one of those would you pick out of those three? Um, I think I'd probably go with the Lone Wolf setup. Um, okay. I feel like that's, that would be pretty good right now for how I'm, how I do a lot of my hunting. Um, the camera, I mean, I have some trail cameras. I can just keep, keep checking them the way I am right now. I wear my rubber boots and try not to go in too often. And the decoy isn't something that has to happen tomorrow. It's just something that I'd love to try in the future. Right. Uh, and then of the $2,000, uh, items, the full, uh, lineup of Sitka, the Halon, the full setup Halon or the the rangefinder binos. Gotta go with the Sitka. Sitka. So you'd pick you'd pick Sitka gear over a new bow. Yeah, well, I just got a new bow, so that's kind of. I mean, I would I would love to have the Halon thirty two all decked out, but it's like my my current Halon's pretty new to me, so yeah. I, I mean, I I and I don't know. I've shot some deer with it. It still performs perfect. Maybe if I actually went shot the Halon 32 I don't know what kind of difference or how different it would feel compared to the the Halon 6 that I have right now but that might win me over but right now I gotta go for the Sitka I'm tired of wearing a bunch of sweatshirts (laughs) look like the kid off the Christmas story yep that's me (laughs) hey I tell you what before I made the jump and got some uh layered gear I, uh, I was that guy who was wearing like three, four hooded sweatshirts, you know, sweating your balls off on walking to the stand and get there. You dry out a little bit and it's not even that you're dried out. You're just less sweaty because your cotton 
your cotton sweatshirts have absorbed. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't call it wicking. I would just say they've absorbed the, uh, the, the mess that you've made. And it's a big, it's definitely a big transition. I, I actually got a, I got, uh, a four, it's a 145 Merino base layer top from, uh, Kuyu, mm-hmm. uh, this season. I tell you what, I, I think I've said this on another podcast or even on some post I made, but I will never go hunting. Even if it like, if it's cool without, even if it's warm out without wool again, it is that big of a difference. Well, that's that's something I, something I definitely need to try out because I don't, I'm, I'm uh, long johns and I I don't know. I usually carry my stuff in just because I don't want to get too sweaty so then I have to account for an extra 20 minutes to put on 14 layers before I, uh, before I'm ready to sit down and relax. <laughs> That's right. Well, I tell you what, Nick, I, I appreciate you uh, taking time to come on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And there you have it. This podcast is done and over with. Uh, we got one more of these podcasts that will be coming this week. I'm not sure if it's going to be Wednesday or Friday, but uh, we got another one coming down the pipe. Uh, hopefully you guys like this. Like I said, if you guys want to uh, maybe come on and talk about products that you wish you had, uh, hit me up uh, via email, and that's uh, ninefingerchronicles at gmail.com, or you can uh, send me a message on Facebook, and I would... Uh, you know, love to discuss and maybe potentially get you on the show. No promises, but, uh, you know, if people like this, we must give the consumer what they want. Now, if you guys aren't already following me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, please do that. Please go to iTunes and leave me a review telling me how awesome this podcast is. Just kidding. (laughs) But, uh, other than that, Huge shout out to uh, DeerLab.com and Exodus Trail Cameras for uh, sponsoring the show. Like I said, if you guys want to find out more information about Exodus Trail Cameras, visit ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Again, uh, enter the code nine fingers. That's the number nine, followed by the word fingers at checkout, and you will receive twenty dollars off your order. Also, deerlab.com slash nine fingers. Uh, sign up for a free trial, and you will receive a free thirty day trial. No strings attached. It's pretty cool. I'm getting ready to enter a ton more trail camera pictures into it uh, tonight. And what else? What else? What else? That should do it. Uh, there's there's still plenty of season left. So guys, if you are in the tree, wear your damn safety harness. And let's have a good week. <laughs>